here. We're ready. Yay. Hello. Starting May. May. It's gonna be May. I hate myself. I can't believe I did that. (laughs) Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're talking about books by authors we've been meaning to read. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest reads, and share a few books by authors we've been meaning to read. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing us on social media. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. And it is the first Tuesday of the month, so we are going to take the time to invite you to join the Book Talk Etc. Patreon. Patreon is an online membership platform that gives you a way to financially support our podcast. For $5 a month, you get access to all of our bonus content, including anything new as well as everything we've published so far. Our Patreon community means so much to us, and your support allows us to keep doing what we do and take on bigger projects. So as a patron, every month, you will get two bonus episodes from us. You'll get a What's in the Mailbag, where we share selections of books we've acquired over the past month, so you can get the scoop on up-and-coming books and a preview of titles we might be reviewing on the main show. Our other bonus episode is a rotating list of topics, including books we DNF and Book Talk After Dark. Our most recent Book Talk After Dark included Katie from Basic Bees Guide, and we had an amazing, spoiler-filled conversation about Cover Story by Susan Rigetti. You'll also get an invite to our live event, which is a book club meeting, an author chat, or our mood reader happy hour. There's also spreadsheets and social connections via a private Facebook group and our Discord server. If this all sounds like something you'd be interested in, head to patreon.com slash booktalketc to sign up. And again, thank you for your support. I can't believe I did that in one pass. I was just going to say that you just summarized really well all the things that we are doing. And it sounded really good. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, oh, okay, good. Less editing for John. (laughs) Yeah, I think that we have a lot and we have some upcoming things we're excited about. And I am personally super excited about our next Mood Reader Happy Hour. Those are so much fun. Everybody gets together on Zoom. And it's casual and we talk about our latest reads and it's just mm-hmm. really, really, it's it's a great, fun opportunity to meet other people and get a lot of book recommendations. For sure. I'm going to teach you how to use the Zoom chat feature so you can see the chat coming in when you're in Zoom. That's where the real, that's when things get <laughs> well, loose. I, I think I chat. did. I think I did see that the last time, but I couldn't, okay. I it was distracting me because I'm taking notes on everybody's right. book because then right. we put out a an entire book list with links yes. of all the books mentioned so that everyone has that. So I was trying to read the chats at the same yeah. time I was trying to write the books down, but it was, it's fun. And that's kind of how our Discord goes too. Lots of conversation and you can pop 
on, you can pop off. It's a fun community that we're building. And I think if anyone is even somewhat interested, give us a try and, Mm -hmm. you know, and see what you might like, see what you think. Yeah, we really do have fun over there. And it's been my favorite part is coming up with new stuff for the patrons. I'm Mm -hmm. like, all right, what can we do? Like the cover story one we weren't planning on. It was just something organic, which is why we like to have one episode we know you'll get every month is going to be mailbag. But then we like to leave space for something a little bit more impromptu Mm -hmm. because that's where like I think you and I work really well in Mm -hmm. like impromptu and whatever our mood is dictating. I was just going to say it goes along with us being (laughs) mood readers. We're also Uh mood content creators. Like we... Yes. What we want to do changes each month. So anyway, let's get started. And I want to know what you've been loving lately. I would be happy to share. And my loving lately is a concept, I guess. It is author events. (laughs) Ah, okay. If anyone follows me on Instagram, you know that I went to LA for a couple of days last week and I got to meet and have lunch with two of my favorite authors, Janelle Brown and Julie Clark. And this wasn't anything like, I'm not special. I didn't get invited. I just saw (laughs) that they were doing this. I'm like, let me buy a ticket. Yes, I can get to LA for two days. Like it worked out perfectly with work and like timing. I'm like, let me do this. And they were so lovely. I felt so like, I don't know, cool. Like it was so fun to go. And Jordy from Jordy's book club was Mm -hmm. there. So we got to chat as well. What was so nice was it was pub day for Janelle's book, I'll Be You. And it was special to celebrate. And what they did, it was in conversation. So Julie Clark was asking Janelle Brown questions about her book. And Julie's such a good MC. Like she was awesome. And then I remember that Julie is a teacher. So I could see like she had her notes and she like commanded the room. I'm like, that's right. You're a teacher that that tracks. Also, not for nothing. I loved both of their books that Mm -hmm. are out or coming out. But the one that we talked about were I'll Be You, um, Janelle's book. And it's about twin sisters who were child actresses who have a falling out as adults, but come together after one gets sucked into a cult. Mm -hmm. Boy, it was a really fun time. And I just wanted to encourage people to seek out some author events. If you're able to go, I know we did a ton. I did some via Zoom during the pandemic, which I'm still a big fan of Zoom author events, but there was something really special about being able to be in person. Julie did a game called Cult or Not a Cult and quickly (laughs) asked Janelle questions like, Soul Cycle, Cult or Not a Cult? And so it got me thinking. I'm like, Bookstagram. Is it a cult or not a cult? Mm. Maybe a little bit of a cult, a little, a little bit. But overall, this was so fun. This is only the second author event I've been to, and now I'm encouraged to find more in my area. So that's what I loved lately. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think, well, I know I have some things to share in our book talk regarding author events, and I think it's going to be, I think I've got some good info for people. So yeah. I want to talk. Oh, I, I can't wanna, wait to hear. Yeah, stay tuned mm-hmm. for that. All right. Well, what is your loving lately? My loving lately is very simple. It's really, really simple. And and I'm sure you'll say you've heard of it, but I wonder if you have one. I am bringing the Clinique Chubby Stick Shadow Tint for Eyes. I do not have one, but I do like a chubby stick. That was not good. (laughs) I absolutely love this. I've always been someone that just skipped eyeshadow. And I don't even, I mean, I, I don't even wear makeup every day, but I don't know what it is about eyeshadow. I don't want to take the time to do it. This is just literally a stick that you use the bottom and roll it up. And it gives you just a subtle amount of color. It is very much a a tint. It's really nice for a subtle look. And it literally takes 30 seconds (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Swipe, it, Swipe on. it on. That's it. Swipe it on and you're good. The color I have, I have blue eyes and I would not have picked this out, but then the lady at Sephora, or no, actually Macy's is where I got this, gave me ample amber. So I'll put that in the show notes and it's mm-hmm. good for, it is good for blue eyes. I like it a lot. I keep rebuying it and that's the Clinique Chubby Stick Shadow Tint for Eyes. It's got a price point of about $19, so not horrible. And it lasts forever because I don't use it every day. Mm-hmm. How yeah. does it wear? Does it last like a pretty long time? I think so. I mean, I'm, yeah. yeah, I would say so. I mean, mainly now, I don't, I tend to use it if I'm going out in the evenings. Sure. Um, right. So you're not wearing so it I'm like not, all day. <laughs> right. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about the lasting power of it all day long, but I don't remember ever having a big problem with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this brand. But I like a subtle. I don't like a lot of color. I don't. Yeah. So I'm, you know, to me, it, it's always been fine. Good. Okay. Well, I'm glad you brought that. I love eyeshadow. Like, I I do like eyeshadow, but I like a like a stick that you can just one color, swipe it mm-hmm. on, easy to go. And I yeah. haven't tried a new one in a while. I'm still wanting to try the one you had last year from Thrive Cosmetics. Yes. Well, that one I like more for under eye. So oh. I do, I do use that a little bit occasionally on my upper eyelid, but it's very, very smudgy. So, yeah. and it's not really an eyeshadow. It's more of a, a shadowy eyeliner, if that makes sense. Got it. Like a really smudgy sense. eyeliner. Yes. Yeah. That actually does make sense. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad you shared that with <laughs> us. It's been a while since we had a makeup break. I, I think. know. I thought I needed, I know. I was like, let me, let me find something. I know I have things I, that I'm still loving and I haven't brought. So mm-hmm. that's definitely okay. one. And it's time saver. And I know people like time savers. That's true. Yeah. Always. And like, if you're traveling now that things mm-hmm. are kind of opening up again, it's easy to bring this one thing instead exactly. of like a whole palette. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, what have you been reading lately? All right. So my latest read is a book. Okay. I know I've been talking a lot about cover story. Just give me a little bit longer on it (laughs) because my latest read is Whistleblower, My Unlikely Journey to Silicon Valley and Speaking Out Against Injustice by Susan Fowler. And I discovered when we were recording our bonus episode about cover story that Susan Fowler is Susan Rigetti. They're the same person. And Katie and Renee, when we were recording, kind of filled me in like, this author has a really impressive backstory. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about it when I read her book. But this started with an essay, and I missed it when the original essay came out. But this book is fascinating and frustrating. So Susan Fowler was just 25 when she wrote this blog post that absolutely blew up, went viral. And in it, she describes the sexual harassment and retaliation she'd experienced at Uber. And her post eventually led to the outsting of Uber's CEO. But the ripples extended far beyond that because she attached her name to it. She said, this is what happened. This is my story. And in doing so, encouraged other women to speak out publicly about their experiences. And so in that year that followed, a unprecedented number of women came forward And Susan actually, I feel weird being like Susan, like I know her, but, and Susan was recognized by Time Magazine as one of the silence breakers who ignited the hashtag MeToo movement. So that alone would be riveting enough for me to recommend this book. But outside of that, her story, the rest of her story is equally as captivating. I see this as a comp for educated and know my name. Mm -hmm. but set in academia and Silicon Valley. Like, that's what I saw. So 
Susan Fowler grew up in extreme poverty and didn't go to formal school until college. She literally taught herself everything. She borrowed textbooks and eventually got a community college professor to mentor her. She was homeschooled but never had, like, the foundation courses to get into a proper high school. So she just—her parents are basically, like, you know, encouraging her essentially kind of to drop out. But she was— super smart, ended up taking the ACT on her own and scored well enough to get a full ride to ASU. Wow. And her dream was always to become a writer. And so she wrote down everything, which is why she was able to carry all these stories and have all of these details. And her main goal for herself was to get out of poverty. That was her focus. But while she was in college, she fell in love with physics and found herself wanting to know everything about the universe. But literally, like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I like this, you know, universe. Cool. I like astro- <laughs> astrology or astronomy and that sort of thing. But no, she genuinely like worked in a physics lab and ended up transferring to an Ivy League school because ASU wouldn't let her major in physics because they didn't think she could hack it. Wow. So she does get to the Ivy League. I think it was Penn. And basically while she was there, she was discriminated against because she's a woman and ended up making a complaint and was sort of tricked into university administration to to basically leave for a variety of reasons. And I'll let you read the story, but it was frustrating to read about the gaslighting slash the discrimination. And then, you know, she experienced that as a student, but then goes to Silicon Valley working in big tech. And yeah, immediately on her first day, she was sexually harassed. When she went to report him to HR, they said, oh, this was his first defense. He's a high performer. It's, you know, we're not going to do anything, whatever. And I'm, you know, going to leave it at that because the story is, is, I want you to read this basically. But at one point she goes, I thought Uber was going to kill me to shut me up, but I'm taking comfort in knowing that if I die under mysterious circumstances, they'll know who did it. Oh, crazy. wow. Crazy, crazy. I couldn't believe what I was reading. I did the audio. She narrates. I loved hearing her story from her words. She's brilliant. And I'm glad I read this. I'm so impressed with this woman. And gosh, knowing now that she wrote cover story, I can see like she talked about how growing up she loved horses, the story in cover stories, Mm -hmm. horse girl. I can see she always wanted to be a writer. So was always writing in a journal like this character Mm -hmm. did in cover stories. I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense. I can't wait to see what's next by this author. Like she's an auto by author for me now. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of us. So highly recommend this book. It was quick too, maybe six hours on audio. It was called Whistleblower, My Unlikely Journey to Silicon Valley and Speaking Out Against Injustice by Susan Fowler. Wow. Okay. Gosh. I'm glad you brought that because so good. when I was doing a little a little bit of background research before our episode with Katie, I had like started to see all of this and the article and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh. And mm-hmm. I think I even said to you both, like, she's super smart, super, super smart. And then yeah. you know, it's it's things started to fall into place. But wow. Yeah. Really worthwhile for this sure. This sounds really good. Okay. Glad you brought that. Um, my latest read is completely different. <laughs> <laughs> what is completely it? different. I have no idea what you've been reading. I know. So you have no idea. I'm so uh-uh. excited to tell you. It's Blood Sugar by Sasha oh. Rothschild. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I missed this book, but I had never heard of this book until Kaylee oh. and Kaylee at KMC Reads on Instagram sent me. Actually, she put me and Katie from Basic V's Guide in a group chat. And so she's like, hey, have you guys heard of this book? And I was like, no, uh-uh. never, 
Never heard of it. It is a debut thriller. So anyway, on Kaylee's encouragement, I decided to read it because it's about Ruby, who is billed as a, quote, likable murderess. Nice. And I was intrigued by that. So you have Ruby. And the basis of the story is Ruby kind of lives by and kind of makes observations throughout the story of how people say, I could just kill you right now. And it's something we've all thought at one time or another, but Ruby has actually acted on it three times to be exact. And yeah. the, uh, yeah, the opening scene, I don't, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm really, this is going to be a teaser review because I don't want to say, I didn't know anything. And that's really what I want to convey to people. So the opening scene is chilling. And at the end of the opening scene, I was like, wait, Kaylee said she liked Ruby and I don't know how that's possible based on the end of this opening scene. It was pretty chilling. Anyway, fast forward in time after the opening scene, and we get to know Ruby. And though she may be a murderer, Ruby is not a sociopath. She is an animal-loving person with a very interesting job. And I don't even want to tell you what that job is because it was such a fun surprise when I saw where this was going as far as what job Ruby was going to have. And then that job plays into some really interesting insights by Ruby throughout the book. And I don't want to ruin that by even telling you what the job was. But trust me, it's it's very interesting, especially for someone like Ruby to have this job. She even forms lasting friendships. She loves her family. She loves her, she has a sister, she has parents, and she ends up meeting Jason and they fall in love and they get married. And this is all set in Miami Beach. Her and Jason have a pretty, they have a happy marriage. However, what we also find out, which is after the initial opening scene, the book starts off when Ruby is being questioned in an interrogation room because she is being accused of Jason's murder. And so the question becomes, what's going on? Did she do it? Did she not do it? And what about all these other people? And how is this all going to go for Ruby? And this is really, Ruby narrates the whole story. And believe me, I liked Ruby. There is so much about Ruby (laughs) that I could connect with, which sounds so weird, but she has quirky little, like, things that she does. And like purple was her favorite color and that's my favorite color. And I was like, oh gosh, Ruby and I have some things in common and (laughs) outside of murder. So anyway, she has a friend too, Roman, and they have a really interesting dynamic from college. So Ruby is sharing her life, sharing these details, and we need to find out what's going to happen because there are three dead bodies in her wake. Now there's Jason and The question becomes, although Ruby may not have killed her husband, she certainly isn't innocent. And this does alternate between Ruby's memories of her past crimes and her present day fight to clear her name. It's billed as twisty and clever, and Ruby is an unforgettable protagonist that you can't help but root for. I totally agree with that. Don't read anything else about this. If that sounds good to you, just go and get it. To me, this author's writing reminded me so much of Carolyn Kepnes combined with Samantha Downing. And if Joe Goldberg and Teddy from those stories, Joe Goldberg from the U series and Teddy from For Your Own Good, if they had a younger sister, that's Ruby. 
Ooh. Okay. So nice. If that all sounds good, just go get it. It's Blood Sugar by Sasha Rothschild. Okay. That was, uh, you gave us just enough for people to be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It really, really is. And I did listen to the audio. Allison Ryan narrates. I loved it. She is a monotone type of speaker, but for me, it fit with Ruby because yeah. Ruby was pretty it even keeled. It gave her keeled. a personality. Mm-hmm. Ruby is pretty even keeled character. So I really liked it. And it's very bingeable. Once you start, mm-hmm. it's kind of like cover story. Once you start, it's really hard to put this one down. I actually did see, I saw Katie from Basic yes. Bees Guide talking about this on Instagram today. And I thought, Renee would like this book. Like I looked mm-hmm. and I didn't know you had read it, but I, I heard her talking about it. I was like, this was a Renee, I feel. Yes. And we were all chatting about it in our group chat. So it's totally a me book. And I'm so glad Kaylee put that on my radar. I don't know how this one passed me by. It's a pretty cool cover. You know, I'm a a sucker Mm -hmm. for a good cover. It's very striking. Yes, it Mm -hmm. is for sure. Well, let's get into book talk. And for today, since we're we've, we're talking about authors we've been meaning to read and talking about author events, we're going to dive a little bit more into each. Do you have a long list of authors that you've been meaning to read? Or is this just something that's in the periphery that you know when you see them, you're like, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to read this author? Well, yes, both, actually. Um, okay. And I... I still have a running list of authors that I wanted to read. So that's why this episode was really fun. I'm glad that we did it. And last year, I read a bunch of authors that were new to me, but still, mm-hmm. you know, like Angie Thomas, I read her last year. But anyway, I still have a list. The only reason I didn't even pick some of them for today's episodes was just because I couldn't get a copy of the book. Yeah. One I tried and I was like, eh, I'll wait. So anyway, the one, do you have a long list or do you keep a running list or or does it not matter to you? It's a list that isn't, it doesn't exist, but (laughs) it's in my head. (laughs) So there's certain authors and I think a lot of this has contributed to you. Like for example, Alifair Burke, I know you've talked about Mm -hmm. her books. I've Mm -hmm. never read her and I'm like, gosh, I want to. When I hear the name, I'm like, dang, I've been meaning to read that author. Lisa Gardner, I know is one. John Hart is definitely one. I've not Mm -hmm. read him yet. I was going to read one of his for the show, but I couldn't. It wasn't the right mood. I don't know. I couldn't pick it up in time. But yeah, there is a pretty long list. There's also a list of authors that I think I should read, like some of the like classic authors. And once in a while, I'll get to them. For example, I'd never read Margaret Atwood until some years ago. I was like, all right, let me read this Handmaid's Tale. And I actually loved it. I loved that book. I thought okay. it was really good. So there's like a list of contemporary and then I think a list of classic authors. I'm like, yeah, I should probably try that author. Really? Do you think you are guided or you're influencing yourself with shoulds. Like I should read it. I should read it versus I want to. Yeah, because it's canon. I want to know, okay, okay. This, was a, this is an author that inspired so many of the authors that I love. Like one that comes to mind is Toni Morrison, mm-hmm. who I have read, but that's the, the type of author that I'm thinking about. Okay. So many of my favorites like cite her as one of their inspirations. So I'm like, I feel like I should read the original and okay, see just how I, how I like that author. Okay, right. Yeah. And And I do want to read them. It's just, you know, those types of books tend to not rise to the top. I actually just picked up one. This is an author. I just bought this at the bookstore that I visited. This is Blonde by Joyce Carol Oates. Mm -hmm. And that author is, boy, she has so many books. And that is an author that has been on my, yeah, I feel like this person's very well known. I should probably read her at some point. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited. And I really like it. The Blonde book is very thick. It's like maybe a thousand pages. Oh, really? And it's about Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. 
And they're making a biopic on Netflix. So I'm like, all right, I'm actually really intrigued. So I think I will do a slower read of that one, just try and do some pages a a week to get through it or some pages a day to get through it. But yeah, that's an example of an author that I'm like, okay, I should probably see what you're about. Okay. Yes. Do you have other authors that you still want to try that did not make your cut for today? Just the ones I listed. Just those. Okay. Yeah. All right. I have a few. Amor Tolls. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I will like his books, but because he's so, so popular, I want to find out. Kind of like you. I feel like I should try it at some point because Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm outside of the conversation and so many people are talking about his books. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree that I liked his book. I read Rules of Civility. I really mm-hmm. liked it. It was that, a good one. I tried to get that one actually, and I couldn't get a copy. And so the wait list was pretty big. And I just and I wasn't sure I was in the mood for that exactly. Yeah. That's the one I want to read though, Rules of Civility. Some of these books I feel like I'm never in the mood for. So I'm like wondering <laughs> if I could be better about just trying to put one or two books that have been on my list for a while Mm -hmm. on my monthly TBR and just see if I can fit them in. True. Yeah, you could. Two authors that I am for sure curious about, J. Courtney Sullivan. Oh, sure. And Maine Mm -hmm. has been on my TBR forever. Me too. I definitely want to try that one. I want to try her writing and Jasmine Ward. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't know where to start with her though. I've heard so much about several of her books. So I'm just not sure where is the best place to start. Maybe Salvage the Bones, but I'm not sure. Yeah, Salvage the Bones that I think has like sort of a supernatural Oh, I don't want to supernatural it. though. Uh-huh. I believe that's the one that does. No, okay. actually. Oh no, I'm sorry. The book that I'm thinking of is Sing Unburied Sing. Oh, okay. Okay. So maybe I'll try Salvage the Bones sometime. Yeah. I feel like those are the kinds of books I'm like, all right, I need to put this on a list and just get to it at some point, because otherwise I'm never going to. <laughs> well, that yes, that's true. Oh, I have one other, Elizabeth Strout. I haven't read her books. Who? She wrote Olive Kittredge and My Name is Lucy Barton. Sure I don't did. know. People I, talk about her a lot. Yeah. I've never, I've heard vaguely of those books. They've never <laughs> like risen to my consciousness. Like, oh okay. yeah, this is something. That's really funny. So my thing I tend to do, I read like one book, by the author, and then I only read their future books. Like I don't oh, ever yes. go back to You're, back you're a future so, reader. I am such a future reader. I do have some. Oh, one author that has been on my list is William Kent Kruger, mm-hmm. This Tender Land. I'm very curious about that one. Oh, that's a great segue, Tina. Let's segue into a little bit about author events because yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was thinking. Well, what if I could find some author events and share them? Um, turns out there's a ton. So I took oh, yeah. a I took a different tactic. And what I want to share is some resources for finding author events. And I didn't know these were out there. So I will definitely link to these sources. And I'm going to save the best for last. Okay. One is called booksigningcentral.com. And you can choose your state. And then that will show you author events and signings. Awesome. So isn't that perfect? So cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I did peek at a couple and I couldn't find the state. And I was like, that's weird. Well, it turns out it was because it was a Zoom event. And actually, I think by the time this airs, it will have already happened because I think it's tonight, which is Thursday the 28th as we're recording. But it was with uh, Mitch Album. 
and it mm. was a Zoom. So there's plenty of Zoom events, it sounds oh, yeah. like, and then in person. So another resource is Book Riot. They have a post called 12 Highly Anticipated Book Festivals and Conventions in 2022. Amazing. So, yes, I will link to that. And mm-hmm. then the biggie. Well, actually, I linked to something else, which gave me a whole list. It was one of those. I think actually it might have been the Book Riot one. They listed a bunch, and I picked out some fun ones just based on the title that I thought, if we could just up and go anywhere, that might be fun. One is May 21st, the Pasadena Festival of Women Authors. Doesn't that sound fun? can just pop out to California. Another one is in June, June 9th through 12th, the Bronx Book Festival. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That sounds fun. That would be fun. That would Mm -hmm. be fun. And in June, June 16th through the 19th, Nantucket Book Festival. Wouldn't that be fun? I feel like I should go. Yeah. I mean, maybe I need to be in Nantucket. I mean, I don't know. Why wouldn't we? Now, have I ever been to Nantucket? No. Me? But I know. I've read about it a lot. I haven't either. <laughs> I, I would love to go. And I know you're supposed to go in the summer. So that sounds yeah. that sounds perfect. Here's the biggest website for this. Bookreporter.com has a listing and it is extensive of book festivals. And their list is so comprehensive. I think they add to it at as they go, as they hear about new ones, but these are throughout the country. You have to check this out. It is to, yeah. so helpful. And here's what I want to ask you, Tina. Here's what I'm interested in. Bauschercon. Come again? Bauschercon. Have you heard of Bauschercon? Bauschercon? It's the crime book festival for, no. for mm-hmm. crime writers. It is mm-hmm. in Minneapolis, September 8th through the 12th. When you pull up the list of authors who are who are already scheduled to attend, your mind is going to be blown. But I want to tell you who the guest of honor authors are going to be. Are you oh, ready? Tell me. Mm-hmm. Lou Burney. Mm-hmm. We love him. S.A. Cosby. I figured. All right. Ellen Hart. William Kent Kruger. Oh, really? How funny. Attica Locke. Uh-huh. Lori Raider Day. And I think I'm going to say this right, I hope. I want to say Joe Nesbo, but I think it's yo. But don't we, do we need to go to this? I was going to say Minneapolis is about a quick, I don't know, six hour drive from here. That actually, I have no idea. um, Wait till you see the list of authors. And that's a good one. That sounds really good. I mean, you just mentioned wanting to read William Kent Kruger, and he's going to be there. I know. That's so random. That I, in, in fact, I had no idea. I don't know anything about that author, I have to say, or the books. I just know people really like them. think they have a nature component. I don't think I knew that there was a, cr- a crime component, which entices me even more. Well, I think he has, yes, I think he has a mystery series, maybe. Okay. But definitely he has some mystery books. Well, thanks for those resources. That's crazy. I yeah. think I've heard, this is a big one. A lot of people go to this, so yeah. I'm considering. I am considering. I'm, I'm turning it in my head. Just pop on through Chicago, swing by, get me in the head. We'll head up there. <laughs> or we can fly like normal people. <laughs> uh, that, I know. I think, I, I think I'm all for flying. Love but it. anyway, I'll link to all those. I thought that was, it's, it could be some fun things to do. And also things are opening back up. And, right. and like you said, authors are going and doing in-person things again. So that would be mm-hmm. fun to see if there's that any in your be. area. Have you ever been to an in-person author event? Yes, I have. I have been to two separate ones, both for Dennis Lehane. 
That's right. He mm-hmm. was the last author you saw before yep. everything before closed. Before COVID on mm-hmm. March 5th of 2020, I went and saw him. And then I saw him another time. So I think that's it, though. Yeah, I had to think about it because I saw, like I mentioned, Janelle Brown and Julie Clark recently. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is my first author meeting. And I was like, no, I had one one other. I met Lisa and Liz, Lisa Steinke oh. and Liz Fenton. Okay. Um, they are authors of a ton of books. And they had an event in Chicago for their book. I think it was a girls' night out book. And they invited me. And I got to meet a bunch of other Chicago readers. Oh, and fun. Them. They did a really fun thing. It was like a world not a world tour, tour, but it was like a multi-state tour. And I think one of them lived in Chicago at the time, which is why it was there. But it was fun. I I love that sort of thing, too. Yeah. You can like not only meet the authors, but then if you get the chance, mingle and meet other readers. Right. Yes. I need to get better about that because I'm sure the authors come to Columbus and Cincinnati's not that far. I think it adds something to be able to see authors in person. Oh, for sure. And so listeners, if you have any, I want to know your favorite author yeah. encounter. I would love to hear that. <gasps> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good or bad? Both. Yeah. Oh, well, especially bad. If it's bad, I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. Well, let's get to our books. Okay, let's do it. I'll kick off. Okay. And the first author that I've been meaning to read is Fiona Davis. The book I chose to read by her is Magnolia Palace, and I don't read a ton of historical fiction, but the ones I do read tend to be in this similar vein. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Beatrice Williams, and I used to like a lot of her earlier books, and this felt a little similar to me in a, in a good way. So I heard great things about Fiona Davis's book, The Lions of Fifth Avenue, but I was like, wait, I have access to Magnolia Palace. Let me read this. Let me give it a shot. I didn't have any real expectations going in, but I loved it. I Thoroughly enjoyed it. It gave me a very spring in New York City vibe. And it is a story of secrets, betrayal, and murder within one of New York's most impressive Gilded Age mansion. So pretty good. The protagonist is awesome. Her name's Lillian Carter. And she is kind of at this crossroads. She is a model, but she works under the stage name Angelica. And she's one of the most sought-after models in New York City, but she poses nude. And she stands for sculptors. So obviously, it's the early 1900s. And being a nude model is extremely scandalous, Mm -hmm. which is why she goes under this fake name or a stage name. And her mother just recently passed away and due to the Spanish flu. And so she's kind of at this crossroads. This scandal happens in her apartment building she's lived in. And basically, she has to leave with nothing. Anyway, she has this serendipitous opportunity to start working within the Frick mansion, and she gets hired as a private secretary to the demanding Helen Frick, the daughter and heiress of industrialist and art patron Henry Clay Frick. And so she gets entwined in this family. There's tons of drama going around, and she gets pulled into romantic trysts and stolen jewels and family drama and all these things. And it was fun. So then you have, like a lot of historical fiction books do, there is this past perspective and then there's a present perspective that's kind of inserted to give the reader information we couldn't otherwise have. I would say the past perspective is much stronger than present day, but it was good. There was an English model who was there for a job and she basically gets kicked out of the job for for speaking up and uh, has gets locked in overnight during a blizzard with the curator of the mansion. And so they have a little, you know, kind of relationship together and they end up finding secrets that have been hidden in this mansion for all that time. I liked this a lot. I listened to it and I think I would recommend the audio. The narrator was Carissa Vacker and she did a really good job. 
The plot centers on a murder mystery, but don't come to this book for a murder mystery. It's more about the characters. It's about this era. It's about the relationship between the staff and the family. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of super interesting dynamics there, as well as the expectations of women during this time, both women with means and women that were working class. I saw this labeled as a thriller somewhere. (laughs) Don't say that. (laughs) This is definitely (laughs) not a thriller. But anyway, there was an afterword, which I, you know, you and Mm, I both like an afterword or a, what do you call this? Author's note. An epilogue. So it gave us a very solid resolution. This was a feel good. I will definitely be reading this author again. Um, And it was The Magnolia Place by Fiona Davis. Mm, Yes, that sounds really good. New York City in the spring. Yes. Yeah. And it would have been perfect for our spring book episode Mm, because Magnolia Palace is named because they have magnolia trees out front. And it was, you know, small nod, but definitely worthwhile. All right, good. I'm glad that one worked out for you. Okay. My first book is Jericho's Fall by Stephen Carter. I have been meaning to read Stephen Carter for quite a while. He has been on my radar because when I hear about an author who was also a lawyer or who was trained, Mm. I like when lawyers write books. I don't know. They usually plot really well. So anyway, he was the author of The Emperor of Ocean Park, but I chose this one because this is billed as a fast-moving financial thriller. It was blurbed as involving the secret world of intelligence operations, and you know I love spies Mm -hmm. and the CIA. So that's why I went with this one. And I did listen to it. Kirsten Potter is the narrator, and she did a really good job. So this is about a girl named Beck. In the initial scene, she is heading up to see Jericho Ainsley, who is a former head of the Central Intelligence Agency and a Wall Street titan. And she was called to return to see him because he is dying. He lives in a ginormous estate at the top of a mountain in the Colorado Rockies. And he summons her back before it's too late. And she happens to be much younger than him, almost 30 years. And we find out that he threw away his career, his marriage, was involved in a huge scandal because of the affair he had with her when she was one of his college students. So Beck believes she is visiting to say farewell and goodbye. She has her own life. She has a daughter and she's living far away. But she decides that she cannot say no. And so she decides to go. And she ends up being drawn into a battle over an explosive secret that involves foreign governments and powerful corporations and has to try to to figure out who is coming after Jericho and what is he also hiding? What secrets? I mean, he has a lot, but what in particular is, is someone willing to kill to get from him? I will start off by saying I did not find it to be a fast-paced thriller. Uh, There is a lot of CIA stuff, so I really liked that. So I want to start with what I did like. The beginning was awesome. It's very atmospheric. It's set at night, and it sets the tone for the story because she's trying to get up to the mountain. It's dark. It's foggy. And someone is following her. So I loved the setup. I loved the conflict that existed at the estate between Jericho's two sisters and Beck. And there's also something very strange going on with him. He was kind of a jerk, and I wasn't sure what to make of him, and I couldn't figure out 
her dynamic with him. And I was, so that was interesting. I really liked Beck as a character. However, I didn't think she was as fully fleshed out as she could have been. I needed to know more. I wasn't sure I knew exactly what made her tick. And for a story like this, I think I needed to know that. I also thought when I think of spies, I think of people from other places and there might be other cities involved and people are like, I knew other people were coming. So I kind of thought it would involve at least a little bit of travel or at least people from other, like maybe we're going to Russia, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and it really took place only at this estate. So if you like a locked room sort of feeling, then that might work really well for you. That's not my favorite thing. So I was kind of disappointed by that. I did think that for the most part, there was a lack of character motivation for a whole lot of plot points throughout the story, a whole lot. And it really kind of bugged me. And on top of that, the plot did become too confusing and it was pretty convoluted in places. So I don't know. It left me with just kind of a uh, kind of a disappointed feeling. I don't think overall that this was what I expected it to be. As far as the ending goes, I did not have it figured out. So that's a plus. It was pretty surprising. A couple things kind of felt like they came out of the air, but overall good story, an okay story, not a great story. The writing was good, but it was also a little bit dry. And I just needed a little bit more from the whole thing, from the whole thing, pacing, everything. But I'm glad I finally gave this author a try. That's Jericho's Fall by Stephen Carter. There is something to be said for even if the book isn't like a slam dunk, you're like, but at least I tried it. And you read the author. Now you have some perspective, you know. Now I think I that maybe the Emperor of Ocean Park would have been a better place to start, but that seemed to be more family drama, and I was in mm-hmm. the mood for more spy. So okay, that's why I went cool. with this one. Well, speaking of mood, I had been, for whatever reason, I guess it's like almost spring, even though it's still in the 30s, but I've been in the mood for wedding books, and I found one. It is so good. Ooh. It's called So Happy for You by Celia Lasky. This one comes out in June, on June 7th, actually, so it's an arc. But her previous book has been on my radar because I loved the cover. It's called Under the Rainbow. It's got like a, um, what do you call that? A deer head basically hanging on a wall. It's oh, a pink cover. Okay, I Super can picture eye-catching. that. Mm-hmm. And so I saw this one. I picked it up because I knew it was a wedding weekend. I knew things go horribly out of control. And John Fram was one of the blurbs. So I was like, all right, I like John's writing. Let me see what this is about. So the synopsis is a wedding weekend spirals out of control in this bold, electrifying, hilarious novel about the complexities of female friendship. I don't know if I'd call it hilarious. It was funny. It was more wry. It was more like almost sarcastic humor. Like it wasn't hilarious because there are some things that I'm like, oh, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> so you've got two best friends, Robin and Ellie, and they've been best friends since childhood. When Robin came out, Ellie was there for her. When Ellie's father died, Robin had her back. But then they've kind of grown apart as adults. They're, I think, in their early 30s. And Robin has had a partner for the last, I don't know, seven or so years. And Ellie has been desperate to get married. And this is our America, but it's like a little more, it pushes the envelope. So there's this app that exists that basically calls a woman if she's 30 over the hill. If she's 35, (laughs) she's rotten, like in terms of like breeding. Because I guess apparently people in this America in the book are no longer getting married, like something like 12% or something of the population. So it's got this like weird angle that you're Mm -hmm. like, what? 
But it's almost plausible. Like the author does a really good job with it. So you kind of understand like, all right, if this is the setting, I can see where I can see where this wedding is going and why it takes the direction it does. So Robin is working. She's a queer academic who is extremely dubious of the entire wedding rituals and the wedding process. But Ellie has been dreaming of this wedding since she was a little kid. So reluctantly, Robin agrees to be Ellie's maid of honor. But as the wedding weekend approaches, she's like, something's up. Something's weird. She's second guessing everything. And she's like, is the bridal party out to get me or am I imagining these things? And she starts to wonder, like, are they ganging up on me? Is Ellie okay? Like, what's going on here? I thought this was so entertaining. If you have a wedding coming up this summer and you're a guest or if you're in the wedding party and you're less than enthusiastic about that, this book is for you. The author takes things to the extreme because, for example, instead of the wedding traditions we see now, like the bouquet tosses, there are these wedding charms that the brides do that are meant to give the couple good karma and good luck, but they literally veer into the extreme, like kidnapping the bride and carrying garlic and sage to ward off evil (laughs) spirits. So it was kind of funny reading through these things. This is about the wedding industrial complex and obsession with climbing the family ladder. And it's about friends we had growing up and our obligation to them. The opening line is excellent. And this is what hooked me, basically. It says, if you want to know the story of how my best friend and I ended up trying to kill each other, I should probably start with the night she asked me to be her maid of honor. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's not a metaphor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's how far it goes. (laughs) So it goes to the extreme, but the author makes it work. I thought this was very bingeable, very entertaining, and it's great for summer. Highly recommend it. It was it was super. It was a blast. This was so happy for you by Celia Lasky. Okay, that sounds fun. And I haven't heard of it, so good one. All right, I am going backlist with my next one, 2007. Oh, okay. And I loved it. I'm just going to tell you, I loved it. I'm so glad I finally read Linwood Barclay. And I read No Time for Goodbye. Oh, my gosh. I love this so much. I listened to the audio. It's narrated by Christopher Lane. Fantastic audio. Here's all you need to know. And then I'm going to, oh, but I'm going to tell you a little bit more. 14-year-old Cynthia Big woke one morning to discover that her entire family, mother, father, brother, had vanished. No note, no trace, no return ever. Now, 25 years later, she'll learn the devastating truth that sometimes it's better not to know. The initial setup of that story in the beginning, it's set in 1983, and you get a very, very good setup of what happened, what led up to the fact that this did happen. Cynthia went to bed one night, and when she woke up, her family was gone, and they did not return. I mean, when I tell you that premise just pulled me right in, oh my gosh, what a great premise. 25 years later, the story really takes off because Cynthia is happily married. She has a young daughter, a new family. Her husband and her are happy, but the story of her old family isn't over. She decides to go on a show that is basically Dateline, but it's called Deadline. And they okay. they want to do a story on and kind of resurrect the, the story about what happened to her family. And so this starts bringing up so many old memories. She goes back to her old house. And then little by little, things start happening. A strange car 
is in the neighborhood that she sees, untraceable phone calls, ominous gifts. The question becomes, has someone returned to her hometown to finish what was started 25 years ago? What did happen 25 years ago? One thing is for sure, no one's innocence is guaranteed, not even Cynthia's. This was a twist-filled, fun ride. I could tell not far, not too far into the story, you know, when you're reading and you're like, oh, I get it. I'm in the hands of someone who knows exactly how to plot yeah. a mystery thriller. I knew. I was like, oh, this is why he's so popular. And it just reminded me of maybe a Harlan Coben, like somebody who knows how to yeah. plot a puzzle so well. And not only that, but this was fast-paced. I could not stop listening to this. I binged it in a day. Really, I connected with Cynthia. You, I mean, you want to know, not only do you want to know what happened, because how really, how how does everyone in her family vanish and why was she left? That in itself is enough for me. The way he told the story was so interesting because we get a whole lot of family, like her family life and what's going on, but there's always that underlying bit of what else is going on? Who else is suspicious? Because there are plenty of other characters in the story that you start to think, well, gosh, were they involved or what? I mean, the amount of theories that I concocted in my head as to what happened 25 years ago, but also what was happening present day, because something is happening. And I just kept spinning and spinning and spinning. And I personally love doing that. It's part of the fun of reading a mystery and thriller. And I do think if you're looking for a book that falls right into that special category of a really good mystery, but also the thriller aspect of it, then you can find that here and without the gory murders. So if you, if you want something that just doesn't have all that gore, this is the book for you. I loved this. The ending was completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. I, of course, because I've said before, I'm not the best detective and I that's how I prefer it. I had nothing, absolutely nothing figured out. And it was so much fun. I couldn't, I couldn't believe where he took the story. And I love it when an author gives us even though it, it at times it was a little wacky, but I was like, oh, this is this is nuts. I'm here for it. It was so good. It's twisty from start to finish. Total weekend binge read. I loved it. It was No Time for Goodbye by Linwood Barclay. I'm so glad you found this. What <gasps> made you pick this one versus his entire backlist? This has the highest ratings and the highest number of reviews on Goodreads. I started with the ratings. I was like, oh, I'm going to go with the one that has the highest rating and then looked up to see what it was about. And as soon as I read that, that I was like, done, done. Uh This is what I need to read. Oh, man. I knew you had a strategy. It wasn't random. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wait, so is it shelf edition time? Yes, it's time for shelf editions. It flew. All right. Well, my shelf edition is another thriller. It is called Two Little Girls by Laura Jarrett. And this came to me from the publisher Sourcebooks, and it comes out on May 3rd. On a prior episode, we talked about publishers we like, and I'm like, I should have mentioned Sourcebooks. They 
mm-hmm. are a little bit more boutique, but they do a great job publishing smart literary suspense novels like they did Julie Clark's book, The Last Flight. And they always have some good mm-hmm. kind of thrillers that are not seen everywhere. You're right. So this one, I remember the the publisher emailed me and said, hey, would you like a copy? And I looked at the synopsis. I thought, absolutely no, I do not want a copy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought about it. And I'm like, you know what? All right, let me try it. And I wrote her back and said, this scares me, but yes, I'll try it. <laughs> So what it's about, when Lizzie's car crashes with her two daughters inside, she faces a terrible choice. And when she recovers from her injuries, she must deal with the impact of the tragedy and the police investigation into it. And basically, her family struggles to come to term with the events of that night, and things get even darker. What exactly happened on that remote country road? Who was responsible? And can the family get through this together, or will the truth finally tear them apart? I was like, oh, my God, this is like playing into some of my biggest fears. But they said this is for fans of Lisa Jewell. She Mm -hmm. is absolutely one of my favorite authors. And it combines deep emotion with a mesmerizing plot, which, again, love to hear that. It's about family secrets and the unthinkable choice that one mother is forced to make. And, like, it doesn't come out and tell you what the choice she has to make is. But I'm like, I think I can put two and two together. And it's spooky. So, anyway, this book was... Two Little Girls by Laura Jarrett. Okay, that sounds good. I'm going to have to check that one out. All right, mine is The Lunar Housewife by Caroline Woods, and it comes out June 7th. And this is a suspenseful historical page turner, which is about an up-and-coming journalist who stumbles onto a web of secrets, deceptions, and mysteries at a popular new literary magazine. And it has an element of something that I really like, which it's inspired by the true story of CIA intervention in Cold War American arts and letters. Like, that's pretty specific. This is set in New York City in 1953, and the main character is Louise. She is a rising star. She's writing for a brand new literary magazine called Downtown. However, she has to write under a male pseudonym, but she's writing some of the best pieces. Her boyfriend owns the magazine. Her relationship, it makes her happy. And she's also writing a science fiction romance on the side called The Lunar Housewife. And that's going really well. But one day she overhears her boyfriend, Joe, and his business partner fighting about listening devices and death threats, and she can't help but investigate. Pretty soon, Louise finds herself wading into dangerous waters. So the story goes on, and sounds like she starts to put together rumors, hunches, clues, and begins to realize there is much going on. And she's being pulled deeper and deeper into what possibly could be life and death situation. I don't know. But what I thought was also really interesting, it says that the the story is peppered with cameos from real-life luminaries such as Truman Capote and James Baldwin. It's full of period detail, which is New York City. And, you know, I love a New York City book. And nail-biting tension. So she channels 1950s New York glamour along with 
an investigation that brings about shocking secrets, brutal sexism, and life or death consequences. It also says that this was deeply researched and has a propulsive plot. I love the sound of this. It's The Lunar Housewife by Caroline Woods. Yeah, that sounds great. I have not heard of it. Oh, the cover's really good, too. Really good. I'll have to check it out. Yes. All right. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us on our Patreon for $5 a month at patreon.com slash book talk, etc. And thank you so much to our Discord moderators, Genevieve at Genevieve.reading and Zach at Zachary.goodreads. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBRetc, and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. It's gonna be May. It's gonna be May. It's gonna be May.